Spags, we are back for another Tuesday edition where we are going to draft an Underdogs Big Board contest, but not together today, Spags. No, I'm going on vacation for a week, and I said to Pete, hey, let's get it in good right before that. Today, Pete and I go head-to-head. We are in the waiting room of a big board draft. Pete and I know we are both in. If you want to play along with us, use the promo code SPLASH. Double your deposit up to $100. Underdog Fantasy, you compete for $200,000 up top in this big board tournament. Obviously, the Combine has made a lot of things move, uh, both literally on some people out there who are fans of football, as well as in terms of ADPs. Pete's been writing it up for the fantasy life newsletter i've been grinding rookie prospects are you ready to go head to head pete because i'm excited i i said to pete right before the show i want this to be a recurring splash play bit yeah uh looks like you drew the 110 i'm at the 112 so we're gonna be getting each other's way a lot here i've ramped up my i've been blasting off on slow drafts i'm still mainly only doing fast drafts on streams right now but excited to uh see where some of these rookies go i just wrote up a piece for fantasy life tomorrow looking at kind of some of the movement I think we expect to see with the rookies in the big board contest now. So uh, I trust this splash play audience to be uh, all on top of it as well. You'll also note Pete here, guess who's finally a red badge, bro. I guess I hit my thousand drafts. So please no need for applause out there, but finally the credibility I've looked for that I've uh, spent a certain amount of money on the underdog platform. Congratulations, Spags. This is a, a momentous occasion. I feel like there should be something within the underdog app where, you know, this confetti and streamers are all coming out and all of this stuff. So uh, congratulations. This is a big, big step for you. I'm excited. I mean, I'm glad to finally have the credibility that comes with the red badge. Of course, we talk about the badge bros guys a lot on here, big fans of their work, and uh, they have made a, a mint off of their merch off of underdog, which underdog just lets them go with. And I feel like now that I could finally be a red badge, bro, I feel like I could be accepted to the community, maybe, though I've never really peed, as you know, been accepted to many communities. <laughs> I think you uh, I think you got accepted to the community when you started posting, you know, uh, stats and gifts of players. That's when you really endeared yourself to the fantasy community. I'll tell you what, though, I got sick of it right away because after the combine <laughs> stuff, the RAS scores, everybody posting those and not really knowing what they mean, not really knowing how to connect it to data kind of drove me insane. And and this room we are in, Pete, is pissing yellow right away. You know what? It's so funny because I don't remember the, the relative athletic scores being quite as big of a thing. Even last year, it feel like it really blew up this year. There used to be the, um, remember the mock draftable, like spider chart stuff that used to be the popular combine thing, but yeah, the relative athletic scores, uh, what a glow up for them this year. All right. I think I'm going to take CD lamb here. You can see we are back on a normal clock on underdog after having some issues, getting this 15 seconds per pick. The last time that Pete and I did a draft here, I was really weighing Bijan Robinson there, Pete, but I really, I feel like with the wide receivers flying off, I got to take CD lamb, even though he's easily the most mediocre of the first round receivers. Yeah, I'm, I'm going to, I'm going to go ahead and play with fire. I'm going to get buried by an avalanche. I'm not passing up on Eckler at 110. I'm not going to reach for Jalen Waddle. Um, I just decided, do I want JT with Eckler or Bijan with Eckler? Two combinations that aren't very uh, popular or uh, not popular, but just unable to get in most draft rooms. Yeah, Eckler, I was hyped up by the Chargers GM. I was actually catching up on some combine content, talking about him. Actually talking about a guy that we thought might be a cap casualty, Keenan Allen being a key part of what the Chargers are going to try to do this year. And it does seem like Bijan Robinson's still on the board. I do like him as a pick, but relative to this room, I think Jalen Waddle is one of my favorite players in really any situation. So I'm going to reach for him a little bit here and grab. Um, and a nice room here. A lot of red badge bros and some questions. Is red really 1K? I thought red was 500 and black was 1,000. It's the other way around. Uh, black is the first one you get. I say that yeah, as an expert, obviously. Yeah, exactly. I mean, someone was reading the fine print, wondering. Uh, there, tell me, did you go and look at the fine print, try to be like, when am I going to get this damn badge? Well, no, because like they don't tell you the cumulative amount of drafts you do, which I think would be a nice underdog interface thing to know. Like maybe you don't want to know how many drafts you've done overall and the time you spent doing such a thing. Uh, but I was like, I knew it was a thousand. I was like how have I not hit a thousand yet? Because I feel like I've been drafting every day of my life for about a year and change now. Yeah, that actually would be a fun feature for them to add like a progress bar, like how close you are to hitting the badge levels. Um, you would probably uh, ring out a few extra buy-ins uh, from the users if you could see you were this X far away from getting your badge. Yep. So that is a very high T start from you, Dundon is saying. And apparently people accusing you of being the peat bot that's been uh, making some appearances lately on the uh, best ball breakfast streams. Uh, yeah. You know, you know, sometimes this these are how these these drafts go. Like if I do 
a slow draft by myself, I'm getting AJ Brown at the 112 basically every time or CD Lamb. Like they're there every single time. So, you know, when you piss boys give me lemons, uh, I got to puke green for a couple of picks. And honestly, two nice running backs to get there, too. So I have no issue with what, what Pete's doing there, despite my opposition to general high testosterone moves. Um, anything from you combine-wise that's affecting how you're drafting? I know the Anthony Richardson thing is a big one, and I'm willing to victory lap the closing line value we got on that one. I know our pal Pat Corain, who check out the video we did with him a couple weeks ago. It was a really fun video talking about overdrafted guys, and some of that has already started to market correct. But I feel like the Richardson one is the big one, where he is up, I think, 40 spots, uh, even from where he was with his stuff surging in the last few weeks. But what stands out to you based on what kind of the rumors and innuendo were from the combine? Yeah, I mean, Richardson really is the only guy who I think is going to move up like a meaningful amount. And by that, I mean like a couple rounds. You know, he was like 160 heading into the combine. Now he's up to like 150. And of course, I've been seeing him go at 135, 130 in room. So he's he's going to continue to shoot up. But like the market was pretty spot on, at least relative to baking in the athleticism profiles. I mean, Bijan has stayed pat. The market was correct, I think, in drafting JSN as the first wide receiver off the board in the mid-fifth. He's staying pat. Same with Jameer Gibbs, who is the second fastest running back at the combine. He is staying flat at his ADP in the mid-fifth. So I haven't seen a lot changing i guess the one thing i think might take a little bit more time but i think we're going to see some of the sleeper guys start to move up some of the tight ends i think will start to get drafted like Koontz wasn't getting drafted at all i assume he'll start to get sprinkled in and then a guy like marvin mims who is at like 220 and is up to 212 i could see him moving all the way up to like a 190 but that's just like kind of the high level stuff are there any other like really big movers that you're you're noticing I haven't seen anybody moving around too much, though. Admittedly, I was trying to jump into a draft before the stream, and then there was 10 spots still open. So I was like, I'm not going to be able to get this done in time. Um, so I need to kind of get the temperature of the rooms a little bit more. And I'm actually hoping I can draft in Mexico because I don't want to read things, Pete. I want to just do some drafts on the beach or by the pool or whatever. Um, so I'm hoping to really get a feel on it for the next few weeks. But Kyle pointing out a guy I think is kind of interesting because I'd written off Chase Brown. He graded out as an elite athlete, also a really big volume guy playing in college, I believe, at Illinois. Um, some guys like that. Matt Landers, I think, is not even available on the big board. He ran a 4-3 and he's also 6-4. So like some guys like that, I think will be more interesting in future tournaments. But I think that's where some of this stuff kind of frustrates me with the, what we were talking about with the random, uh, the RAS stuff with the athletic grades and all that, is that people miss that like, Athletic grades matter a ton. Like the Anthony Richards stuff matters a ton. Uh, but I think what matters more is like production combined with the athletic scores. And I think that's where people miss it is like we've seen countless times elite athletes go into the combine and they didn't produce in college. and They don't produce in the pros because the production is 75 percent of what matters the most. Yeah, no, I mean, that makes sense. And it's all it's all puzzle pieces. And it's just wondering how much was stuff already baked into some of these profiles. And you don't want to double count stuff here either. All right, let's see what you're going to do. I hate the spot. I don't love Ramondre. I think he's going to get some touches stolen by Pierre Strong this year. Don't really want to reach for receivers. Um, I'm going to go Tony Pollard. Getting the franchise tag, I feel like that gives him some security. A lot of rumors, including the Fantasy Life newsletter that Pete wrote up, talking about Ezekiel Elliott maybe being cut. So uh, I'm willing to go there. Um, I was going to take, I was going to go so high testosterone. I was going to take one of Pollard or Stevenson, whichever one fell to me. That didn't happen. Uh, I will finally grab a wide receiver in Mike Williams and also going to take Justin Fields here at my quarterback. Oh, I like Justin Fields. Yeah, Burrow doesn't make the most sense if you don't have either of the Bengals receivers. So I think that's a, a pretty good move mm -hmm. I would support. I like Christian Watson more than all these guys, which feels like a reach. I am not buying DeAndre Hopkins. I know some recent rumors. Yeah, so recent rumors tying him to the Patriots, I guess, is like a pure target hound guy. Maybe that makes some sense uh, with some of the targets vacated by Jacoby Myers, likely not coming back. Maybe Devontae Parker as well. I'm not a big fan of his, and I think you're paying the boomer tax for Hopkins. So at least Watson's young, right? Yeah, I Man, I, you know, I don't, I guess I don't want to be fully, fully out on Hopkins, but I would feel like we should be getting a little bit of an uncertainty discount right now. Like you said, like the Patriots aren't some slam dunk landing spot for him. I mean, like you said, you can make the case Jacoby leaves, he becomes this target monster, but it's not like it's going to be a prolific passing offense. You know, the Giants have been a team that have been tossed around a little bit for DeAndre Hopkins too. That feels like a little neutral. I, I just think there should be, he should be more in like this fifth round range. I just don't know why we're drafting him so aggressively up here. Like the market was pretty down on him heading into the season last year because of his suspension. And now everyone just feels fully bought in 
a year older, not knowing his landing spot. So I'm going to continue to pass on him specifically in the big board. Dustin asked, does a Derek Carr signing shake anything up for you with the Saints guys? Obviously, a lot of money going Derek Carr's way to be a Saints player. Carr was really not good last year. Like, that was something that jumped out to me when I was putting together the first Spags rankings, which are pinned in the uh, Deposit Kingdom channel for Splash Play as well, if you want to check them out. We'll be doing an update when I get back from uh, Punta Mita for the people asking where I'm going for a wedding. Wow. Uh, yeah, I know. It's a fancy Mexican's name, Pete. Really. <laughs> are, you, are you going with the with the kid? No, no, we're leaving them behind with actually uh, Alex's mom and then my mom are going to team up, uh, a grandma team up. Wow. Which apparently, yeah, Alex used to do as a kid. So we're carrying on tradition, though. I don't know how they're going to handle this little terror. At one-year-old Pete, they are moving around and grabbing everything. It is an absolute nightmare. Yeah, I, I was curious how you were doing that. I was just talking to this other guy I know, and they were going on a trip with their five-month-old. And I like, uh, I think they were going to like the Virgin Islands. He was like, yeah, we just have been cooped up. We need to go do a trip. And I'm like, man, I still can't imagine traveling on a plane with my near three month old. So yeah, I, I think you're, you're doing it right to finally get a, a vacation away. Yeah. And I'll miss them like crazy. Like it's, it is weird. The connection you start to get with them and all that stuff. Obviously you have it from the moment they're born, but it does start to firm up when you actually engage with them and do stuff and like play games. And like, they kind of get, you know, follow patterns and stuff like putting discs into a box is like this one toy we got. So it's like, it's been really nice lately. And it's like, Oh, I wish we were hanging out with him. He's probably going to say his first words or some shit while we're gone. I know that's a, uh, yeah, you, you do start to worry about uh, missing those moments. So, you know, you don't want to, Miss April's first big laugh because you're fucking taking Austin Eckler and Jonathan Taylor during a big board draft. We're back on the clock here. I passed on Mike Williams earlier. I do think Keenan Allen's a nice value at this point. Um, obviously, Justin Herbert is probably going to go, but I'm going to take Keenan Allen here. I think I'm buying into him coming back. Don't love the age for him, but it feels like, Pete, to me, I don't know. I really thought Keenan Allen was going to be a cap casualty, and now I, I'm pretty firm that he's coming back. Yeah. Uh, also, Justin Herbert isn't going to make it past me um, because <laughs> oh, you I, I'm going to stack him with Mike Williams. And because I'm going to need to hammer so many wide receivers late, um, I think just being done at QB will be nice. I've been doing a ton of three QB builds in the big board. So this will push me out of my comfort zone a little bit here. And we will be done with Fields and Herbert. I was hoping I could get the double with Keenan, but you sniped me on that. And we are going to need to grab a wide receiver here. You know, I think of all these guys, I do prefer Brandon Ayuk slightly, um, Marquise Brown, Mike Evans. Um, let's mix it up. I'm normally taking Brandon Ayuk here, but we'll take Mike Evans. Okay, interesting. I mean, definitely a guy who could get traded, could find an upgraded role from that. I worry right now with the Bucks that they are heading more towards a tank, though. I'm intrigued by Kyle Trask. I mentioned this in the last stream I did with Pete. Kind of dug into his numbers a little bit from Florida. He was actually an outlier player playing at an SEC school, like putting up real numbers and had a year learning how to prep under Tom Brady, uh, also Blaine Gabbert, which apparently matters to the Bucks GM, probably matters a little bit less to me. But I think there's a world where, you know, the future's odds don't look good for the Bucks. But there's a chance like Mike Evans gets traded or they're good enough because the defense is probably going to regress a little bit this year. Yeah, and to me, like, uh, I don't even know if my take on it is just super nuanced other than Mike Evans has been really good. You know, he was a second round pick last year. He's had a thousand yards, you know, in every season. And yeah, the quarterback situation isn't going to be as good, but he's also played with bad quarterbacks. You know, he's played with Jameis Winston over the years. So to me, it feels a little bit like the kind of Tyler Lockett situation, right? Where Lockett got so heavily discounted as a veteran wide receiver with quarterback uncertainty that he ended up becoming an extreme value. And I still think someone like Evans on volume alone, his red zone presence alone can still deliver at this draft cost specifically. Yeah, no, I'm with you on that. And obviously, again, Mike Evans, a guy that last year had the big breakout game during week 17, uh, didn't end up being a player that we saw our pal Pat Crane needed uh, to take all everything down there in BBM3, but still a player that certainly would have helped out a lot to make that even easier on him. So guy that we know is the upside, getting a little bit older, but still, uh, you know, big body guy is going to, I think, age out pretty well. Um, did I miss something with you with the Princeton guy, Yosefus? Did I? Is that a thing so from the Monday stream? So yeah, that that was on the Monday stream. Uh, the chat introduced me to him, and then Kyle, uh, believe it or not, has been in the lab working on a highlight clip for me uh, for Heosavis. So that is in the in the can. Uh, I'm telling you right now, Kyle, don't get your hopes up because it is not loaded into the Splash Play Streamyard. So that's gonna have to be on another stream where we debut that. Yeah, I thought he looked good in the comments. I will tell you, so Saturday I was sick, caught another cold from uh, this is the thing that Pete has to look forward to when uh, April's going to be in daycare, but you just catch colds all the time. It sucks, and this one technically went pretty fast, but it allowed me to kind of just watch the combine on Saturday and really like lock in. 
Yosefus looked pretty good out there. Like he was catching some deep balls, looking pretty fast. And with so many guys out there looking kind of trash, like I thought that he actually stood out enough. I don't know that I trust a Princeton guy. Like I haven't seen enough of the advanced analytics because they're not on the site that I use sport, sports info solutions to pull that stuff up. But like fast guy who gets downfield, hard to complain about it. Yeah, no, I, you know, I, I'm sold. I think you, you, you know, as someone who uh, drafted a ton of Sky Moore, you got, always got to be a little beware of these uh, small school guys. Uh, but I like seeing the versatile skill set of, of, of the athlete. I learned he was uh, their all-time record holder in the heptathlon. Still don't know what the heptathlon is, but it sounds like it requires a lot of athleticism. So yeah, I'm, I'm coming around. What's well, where you they shoot you uh, hep, with hepatitis and then you have to compete in a triathlon? <laughs> yeah, that was, that was where my head first went there. Also, Bullock's saying the thing that I've been waiting to hear all stream long. Nice thumbnail stacks. I'm bringing the heat with these thumbnails, Pete. I I thought, actually, I do think you're starting to adapt because you've seen my thumbnail game rise. Loved yours yesterday, but I feel like this one, Street Fighter graphics, we're looking good. I like it. I like it. The uh, the verses there. You, I think you used the right one of me leaning into you. Uh, yeah, no, I'm, I'm very impressed, Fags. I'm very Hey, impressed. we're doing it here, guys. And also, uh, got to give the call to action here. Please make sure to subscribe to Splash Play, of course. Uh, we will be doing these streams all summer, all spring long, heading right into the season. Of course, new info coming out. We're going to be updating you on that as we go. We appreciate the support from you guys. Make sure to subscribe to the channel. It means a lot to us as we continue to grow here, marching towards uh, 2K subs. I'm coming up in a pick here. Another spot that I just don't love with Bateman feeling like he's kind of out on the outs with Baltimore. Maybe Lamar got, it doesn't matter for me, I guess. Anyway, um, hmm. I guess Dak would make sense here, but I think I'm going to go Kadarius Tony instead. You haven't been, you're not, stat, well, I mean, that's the smart move because you know I'm not taking a quarterback. <laughs> I wasn't going to say it out loud, Pete, because we're pretty Why aren't you going to say it out loud? Either. That's the whole point we're streaming is to say our draft thoughts out loud. Well, it's still a versus, though. That's true. I should just take Dak just to just to screw you. I, I this is my first Cortland Sutton share. Uh, have not been ending up with a ton of him. Um, let's see. I want to keep myself. You know what I'm going to do? I'm going to reach here for a wide receiver because looking at his current ADP of 105, I don't think he makes it back to me. And I would like to stack Justin Fields with Darnell Mooney. So I'm going to live a little here with a fairly decent reach ADP wise, but considering this draft room and considering I want to get that stack, I don't think it's that crazy. Arnold Moody, surprisingly positive EPA last year, 0.12 EPA per target going his way, despite the fact that the bears were not good uh, passing that ball at all. And I will get my Dak here. So we have two nice little double stack teams for ourselves. I feel like for a versus, I think we're supporting each other, not sniping each other, but definitely not no. deliberately, you know, in any sort of way. Spags, people who see that thumbnail, they expect us to come in here to be at each other's throats, you know, no holds barred. And now you're trying to say that we're besties here on the turn. Get the fuck out of here. <laughs> Well, I think we're building, I mean, obviously your team with all those running backs and they're just hogging them up. But for yourself, I feel like it's a completely different teams. So that's where the versus comes in. But should we just be pissy at each other and treat it like ride or dies and just make each other feel bad? <laughs> yeah, exactly. You know, I will say this is a bit of a treat, right? Because normally when I am doing a draft, um, I am not able to utilize my cue in a way that is hidden from the public. You know, mm -hmm. it's either my stream or we're doing a joint stream and talking about the cue together. But right now I can just be loading up my queue, you know, with no one, you know, none the wiser to what I'm doing. It's great. I'm glad. I'm glad we could have a nice, uh, fun time here post-combine. I think, you know, honestly, the combine was, I don't know that I've ever seen that much engagement. And we talked about the RAS thumbnails. I think, to tie back to that previous point, like, I think the shareable graphics from that really is what made that jump up more this year. But I do think, like, I have not seen this much enthusiasm around this offseason. Like, the NFL every year, obviously, it's pretty big. But I think drafting relative to this stuff, like the rookie sophomores drafts fell pretty fast as well. It feels like people are locked in earlier than ever and, and really enthusiastic about A, bashing all the receivers and then B, kind of enjoying these prospects. Yeah, no, it's I mean, we've been talking about it both with the rise of best ball, just the overall interest in the NFL and the combine. And every year the interest gets more and more ratcheted up like. I think I've mentioned this before, but I think the schedule release party this year is going to be even more insane than it's ever been because we're going to care about this schedule so much more. Obviously, all the Week 17 stuff has contributed to that. I mean, I feel like that's going to be a tentpole event that's like on par with the Combine, you know, by the time we roll around to this year when they release it in May. Well, I know for you, you'll be preparing the Week 17 is the only week that matters video the second that, <laughs> if not before, you'll have like the baseline of it and then you'll add in the stuff with the schedules. 
I'm excited to see what, you know, the, where the conversation ebbs and flows this year, I have a couple of video ideas that I want to work on, but you know, a lot of those concepts I think are going to be table stakes this year, like in the same way, heading into this past year, like just understanding structural drafting, maybe that gave you an edge two years ago. Um, you know, like the year when Herzig won it with a hyper fragile build and not a lot of people were employing that and it gave you an edge. Now those builds are just table stakes. And then we were moving on to optimizing for the playoffs. So it'll be fun to see where the, the edge hunters are, are heading this year and excited to, uh, to figure it out on the fly. And some guys definitely can fall. I think draft wise, like Jalen Hyatt, a guy that I know the Hayden was talking about on the underdog fantasy channel, another great place to prep talk about Jalen Hyatt, maybe fall into the second round. So that's interesting. Uh, Tua here feels pretty nice though with my Jalen Waddle. So I'm going him two QBs. Yeah, that works uh, for sure. I think the dog uh, pound does. What's uh what's the updated take on Jalen Hyatt after the combine? Uh, so I think he graded out a little bit smaller than people would like, and they kind of want to ding him anyway because Tennessee is a very gimmicky offense. But I have no issue with him. Like, he's still crazy fast. Like, he does what he's supposed to. He's just probably not going to get the first-round draft capital, or it might be tough for him to get the first-round draft capital. Yeah, I'm going to keep doing my dusty old veterans build, uh, although Pat Frymuth is just a second-year tight end. I think, again, because I'm going to want to go so heavy at wide receiver, um, opening myself up to just a two tight end build works. I think I can maybe pull that off with Friar Muth. And then I am going to go ahead and get my double stack with Herbert. Palmer's really the only other guy that's viable, I think, for kind of double stacking Herbert right now. So we will we'll lock that one up. I still feel kind of thin at receiver right now. So I actually might take the reach on Jalen Hyatt here. I like AJ Dillon in the spot. Jamal Williams, I do think will come back to Detroit, but I think Hyatt's got enough upside and I think he can give me some spike weeks. And frankly, with CD lamb is my wide receiver one. I think we need some spike weeks from somewhere else. That's not a reach. That's the value hound there. Six picks past ADP. Well, I think it's going to be a reach, I guess, with where his ADP is going to uh, be. You think he's right. dropping? Yeah. yeah. I think he's dropping pretty fast. Yeah, I mean, there. what was your overall take? You know, everyone agreed JSN had an awesome combine. Everyone agreed that, you know, Jordan Addison had a really bad one. What was your overall take on, like, Quentin Johnson? Was it, like, neutral for you? I thought he looked good out there. Like, I thought he confirmed my priors in terms of just looking kind of the part when he was doing some of those drills. Would have been nice to see his 40 time, and that does give you concern anytime that these guys didn't actually run the drills that you're expecting them to crush. Like, Sean Tucker, people have been drafting really high in underdog, and I was like, mm, watch, played at Syracuse, didn't play a lot of great teams, and just, like, kind of a volume guy. Um, I think some of those guys revealed their weaknesses by not running that stuff. I think for Johnson, he's probably waiting for his pro day in the hopes that maybe he can get to four four range. Uh, but if he's like a four five five four six guy, like he does lose a little bit of appeal. I still am buying in though, because like I think the numbers matter the most, and he missed tackles at a high rate, caught deep balls at a high rate. Like I think that's what matters the most. The combine stuff would just be nice to have to kind of really make you feel comfortable with it. Yeah, and I, I do feel like a little validated in in that my take heading into the combine and, and heading into the draft was that the wide receivers were a little overvalued, you know, in that kind of all the running back flyers in the deep class were either properly or slightly undervalued because they were all so cheap. And then you do look like where people are drafting Jordan Addison. I mean, you can get even right now, and I'm sure his ADP will change a bit, but like Gabe Davis, uh, Deontay Johnson, Rashad Bateman, all of those guys were going after Jordan Addison. And um, I think I prefer all of them to Addison, especially with how he performed at the Combine. I still like Addison. I just think a lot of these guys are kind of, they need a specific team fit and a specific, you know, like, guy to draw attention away like if you bring addison into houston and he's going to be your wide receiver one i think that's a huge mistake whereas if you bring smith and jigba into houston and he's your wide receiver one and you pair him with stroud or uh, maybe even richardson like i think that starts to make more sense so i don't know like i think jsn's probably the only guy who's situation proof because he's going to come in and get you seven to ten targets i think from day one um, and also, like, his fellow receivers at uh, at Ohio State were talking him up. Like, Garrett Wilson said, yeah, me and Olave used to be like, JSN's the best receiver in the group, and we tell him that all the time. And it's like, that kind of matters. Like, I think the fact that he crushed his drills also matters. Um, but, like, maybe Quentin Johnston can fit anywhere. I just, I'm a little bit spooked on Quentin Johnston. Not all the way to, like, not draft him, but um, JSN to me feels like the one guy you could kind of lock in. Yeah, I feel, I feel really good about JSN and you know, I'm not going to chase JSN into the fourth round of these drafts, but I will happily click him in the fifth um, pretty much any time, assuming my my structure allows for it. Um, did you see the KJ Osborne thing this week, by the way, of him? Like, yeah, saving, <laughs> saved a guy out of a... I feel like 
these story and I know I'm sure there's a, there's a psychological, you know, phenomenon for it, but it feels like these stories pop up like all the time. Like it was um who was the guy? It was Peyton Hillis. Like Peyton mm-hmm. Hillis was in the hospital for a while because he like saved someone in like a drowning incident or whatever and like all these guys find themselves in these like superhero scenarios at an alarming rate. I wonder if that's just like the volume of athletes that go through the NFL and then they're athletic and maybe there's a little bit of like a hero complex to it. So it all comes together and it feels like there's one every offseason, if not one to five. Yeah. Um, just like, I mean, the cynical part of you is just like, are these guys just, you know, seeking these things out? Just knowing, I mean, I, I'm, I'm going out of my way to draft KJ Osborne after this story. I mean, talk about a good PR move. Did you happen to see Adam Thielen, by the way, uh, doing some of the combine stuff? Like he was apparently the NFL plus like broadcaster or whatever. It's, I mean, we, we couldn't find someone more athletic uh, for that. Well, they just had like current players in there. And I thought it was interesting. Let me make a pick here. I don't think Dalton Schultz is back in Dallas, so I'm not going to take him. Um, these running backs are pretty dusty, but I guess I'll take a flyer on Jamal, given that I only have one running back at this point. And Jamal that is a guy I have not clicked, but I... I don't hate it. Okay, so I was going to take Cole Komet if he fell and just keep stacking up my bear stuff. Khalil Herbert went. So I'm going to do the same thing in reach here because I do not think Chase Claypool is going to come back to me just based on how these wide receivers and where I pick next. So I'm going to get my double stack with Fields with Claypool and Darnell Mooney. And then I am going to start to need to add some running backs. So I will add the speedster Devin A. Chain here. Devin A. Chain did test well. Small-bodied guy. Um, definitely some some positive juju for uh, Zach Charbonnet, uh, which, by the way, that is his name. Charbonnet, he confirmed that, so we can officially call him that. Um, I wish you were on the board right now. Uh, Kayshawn Butte, dead to the world, Oof. I think, right now. This is a tough spot. Uh, Doves? Hodgins? I don't mind Hodgins. Ugh. This feels like a reach. Hate Gibson. Hate Zeke. Hate Tucker. I think we can throw the word reach out as it pertains to wide receivers in this draft. That is also fair. Uh, but I only have two running backs. I got to start taking yeah. running backs at some point. <laughs> is this true? Bullock says you're taking Jamal because he was also broadcasting at the combine. So here's the thing. I quote unquote, watched the combine from via Twitter. Were you actually watching the combine broadcast? It sounds like. So yeah, I was actually watching NFL network and like soaking it all in and ch- and following Twitter on my phone too. But yeah, I, I watched it all. Didn't watch the NFL plus stuff, but they had like the football players come in then and like do in studio. Uh, but I didn't see Jamal Williams. I'm not affected by that. I was affected by a snapback sports performance. That's where I really fell in love with you. <laughs> Deep cut. Uh, what, what was, uh, did Adam Thielen, I, I don't know if I've ever heard him do broadcasting. Was he entertaining or interesting? He was okay. Like he seemed like a nice guy. Definitely seemed like the kind of guy that could get a broadcasting job. But what struck me though is like I filed him away as like, oh, this old ass fuck. This he's out there with like dude, yeah. a chain and like the hat and like he looks like Travis Kelsey, but like in as Adam Thielen. And it's like, oh, okay, that's right. Even if I think this guy is like an old white dusty receiver, he's in fact like pretty cool by normal standards. All right. It sounds like he's going through like an identity crisis. Honestly, you know, it sounds like he's going through an unemployment line. <laughs> <That's true laughs> as well. Uh, KJ Osborne, though, one thing that I love him, but I do think that the Vikings have given up enough like publicly that it feels like they're taking another receiver. And I think there's some concern that Osborne would come down a little bit there. Yeah, Bullock saying Jamal was hilarious. I, I didn't see any uh, clips per se, but the dude is so funny. Uh, his social media presence, just uh, the fact that he calls himself the swag daddy. Uh, I love everything about Jamal Williams, except taking him in fantasy. <laughs> I don't mind it. I think, you know, we know what his role is. We know what the downsides are. And if he's going to be 20 picks after ADP, like Jamal Williams shouldn't have fallen from the combine. Like he shouldn't go at 130 when he's got a 110 ADP. It's so like the thing with Jamal Williams, right, is you're having to ask yourself how much of last year's touchdown production are you paying for when you draft him at his current ADP? He's not that expensive where you got him. And if you extrapolate a leap for the Lions offense, you could you can see him running it back, what he did mm-hmm. last year, where he's their goal line back. We know they're never going to overtax DeAndre Swift. Still, I'm just like, I feel like he should be more of like a 14th round pick instead of an 11th rounder. And I know that's like picking nits ultimately, but I still feel like you're paying a uh, pass production premium there. 
Yeah, I think that's fair. And Willis pointing out, you have to hope he resigns with the Lions. That's a thing, too. There have been some other innuendos out there linking him to the Panthers because Deuce Staley, I guess, is a coach there. I think our guy Nick actually said that in chat at one point. Um, but I don't know. Like, I think Jamal Williams, I agree with the Lions being improved. I think they're also going to probably not take a QB. People may uh, link him, link, uh, link them to Anthony Richardson a lot. I don't think that happens. Um, so I think Jamal Williams, the fact they don't like DeAndre Swift, and there have been reports about it. There's a way for Williams to get there. He's not going to get 17 touchdowns again, but if he gives me 12 or you know 10, I probably am not mad at it. Yeah. Yeah, I, I definitely buy that. And Hodgins, I'm also in on of uh, some of the reports out there. Daniel Jones, based on the Giants' number one priority, which I think should tell you guys out there who really love Saquon Barkley, like they don't give a shit. Like they'll lose Saquon and not be mad about it. Um, I'm on the clock, though. I think Tucker is not a bad value at this point, but I'm going to take Madison because I think he will land somewhere decent and probably Minnesota as a, as a Dalvin replacement. The board is definitely getting very gross here as far as wide receivers go. Um, I hate these tight ends here too. Well, Taysom and Higby, I'll probably take, you know, so you think, you think Sean Tucker's a nice value here? I think he's good enough. Like he, you know, apparently was a track star, though him not running the 40, you know, is he that much of a track star? Uh, but at this point he's an okay value because people got him so much higher, you know, a couple of weeks ago. Yeah. I think, um, at this point with my running back room, obviously I'm going to be using Eckler and Taylor scores most weeks. So I might as well just take like the biggest possible swings. Like I was thinking about taking Damian Harris there. You know, I think he could land somewhere, uh, if he leaves, and, you know, score 10 plus touchdowns again, like, but some of those spots now are evaporating, right? Like one of the Damian Harris spots that people would talk about were the Raiders letting Jacobs go and then signing Damian Harris to like be their goal line back. Um, so I don't know how many more outs Damian Harris has. Uh, so I'll grab Tucker. And then I took Michael Mayer too, is just giving myself some more upside tight end action there. And you talked me into Damian Harris, as people might have seen on the screen there, because I did hear again, it was catching up on the underdog streams and Hayden was talking about actually Hayden and Josh both think that Damian Harris might be one of those guys that walks into a really good spot. And I think they were linking him to the Giants potentially as a, a Barkley replacement. Um, I guess Dable overlapped him a little bit at Alabama, and that's something that might be there. Um, but I think Harris is one of those guys like if you accept the fact that a lot of these second tier running backs like Harris, I guess Antonio Gibson, who I don't like that much. Some of these guys are going to just be like Latavius Murray. They're going to go somewhere and just kind of walk into a role. And I think Harris, you know, in terms of just a pure runner who comes from a Belichick coaching tree, like it's probably a lot of guys in the league who like him enough to maybe give him a job if they lose their, you know, their current running back. We got breaking news here. Uh, the Ravens have placed the non-exclusive franchise tag on Lamar Jackson. The tag is worth $32.416 million. He's permitted to sign an offer sheet with another team, and then Baltimore can match and decide whether to keep or trade him. So the, I, I actually love how this is playing out from like an NFL drama standpoint because the Ravens are basically saying, uh, we are sick of trying to negotiate with Lamar. Someone else go and do the work. You figure mm -hmm. out the deal with Lamar. Or whatever and then if you do it then we'll decide if we want to it actually seems like a really nice spot for the ravens to be in short of them have already gotten a deal done so that's like what the nba does with their restricted free agents it's like you get, basically go out you can get an offer from anybody and then they'll match it basically and make you come back basically in a lot of teams and we'll do some kind of poison pill thing where the contract escalates at a certain level and then the team might not want to match it the risk of it though is that like uh, last year, last offseason, DeAndre Ayton wanted to sign with the Pacers, got like a big deal from them. The Suns basically let him do that, then matched right away, and he had to come back. And he's kind of been down this year and definitely caused some grousing in the locker room. And Lamar, you know, the team's already maybe not in the best situation with them right now. So that could blow up in their face, even though, you know, if he gets the money, like he's going to get the money and he's got to play. Do you... Do you under do you know how the mechanics and maybe uh, one of our wizards in the chat know how the the two first round pick compensation works? Like, is that any two first round picks, whether how far out that may be? Like, because obviously certain teams have those picks. Some teams have traded those away, but could still potentially make the money side of it work. Do you know how that that shakes out? My thought is that it's their like immediate next two. So like, I guess theoretically there could be negotiation in that, but no, I. I, that was my assumption, but if anybody wants to correct us here, I know we probably have some cap experts in the chat. Please feel free to let us know because I think it's supposed to be like your next two first rounders, though. I don't know how that works if you have like two in this draft coming up. 
and that's the other thing too, right? Like not all first round picks are created equal. Like if you're talking about a team who, you know, might have a top 10 pick, you know, versus a team who might, you know, be a Super Bowl contender, although Lamar should meaningfully turn a team around regardless. Right. I'm going Roshan here. I need some rookie upside. Roshan, big bodied guy, tested to be a big bodied guy, one of few big bodied running backs at the combine. And Pete, you are up. Yeah, I'm going to try to get a little bit more youth here at wide receiver. I'm going to take Khalil Shakur. And you know what? I am I made a bet kind of on the Denver room with Cortland Sutton. There are some rumors out there. Matthew Barry in his Combine Rumors Nuggets piece wrote up that the team is uh, quietly shopping Cortland Sutton around. So I might be able to get a two-for-one here with Tim Patrick if Cortland Sutton gets moved, or I will just have a concentrated bet on the Denver passing game taking a leap this year. So we're going to go Shakir and Patrick. Yeah, apparently there was like a Denver sentiment from like the reporters and whatever there that them losing Tim Patrick was part of the reason why they were so bad last year. I'm not sure if I buy that, but it's definitely something that they've been talking about. Um, I'm going to go John Mechie here. Uh, his metrics were really good uh, coming out of Bama. And I think the, the lymphoma or leukemia, I forget which one it was, whatever he had, uh, probably going to be good to go. So in a Houston offense that I think will be better. So I like this pick. Yeah. Um, yeah, he's, I haven't like, have there been any updates? Like, is he, uh, you know, up moving around? Is he working out? Is he catching balls? I guess I haven't heard any updates. I think the last I had seen was that he was expected to be ready to go by training camp, but that might just have been like a blurb somewhere. Um, you're talking about him playing with Bryce Young on a lot of the news articles. D'Amico Ryan's excited to work with him. I think the assumption is he'll be full go, like when he needs to be full go. So the chat's saying, I heard it has to be the 2023 and 2024 first. If you don't have one, you can't get him. Example was the Dolphins. They can't get him unless they are then able to acquire a 2023 and 2024 first. So that makes sense. Yeah, some people are saying it has to be their original pick as well. So that's something where then I guess you couldn't trade for a first again. Definitely makes it complicated. I'm buying the Atlanta stuff a little bit. I feel like that was yeah. another thing being rumored out there. Might, might have been another Matthew Berry thing that he mentioned as well. Um, but like that's one where you know what they want to do. They want to run the ball. I think that'd be a horrible move for Lamar, but I, think I get why they would do it. I mean, you want to talk about if we could just if we could just get Arthur Smith out of there and you're giving us an offense with Lamar Jackson, Drake London, Kyle Pitts, and Tyler Algier. I mean, that would be one of the funnest offenses in football on the turf in the weakest division in football. Ooh. It's going to bum me out if they win the South this year after I really dug my heels and it said they were going to win the NFC South this year. And they were live to do it. They were in the hunt until Tom Brady just kind of ran away with it, as you might expect. Uh, but, like, they have the tools to be good next year. It's just a matter of can Arthur Smith get out of his own way. Yeah, I, I'm still I'm still a buyer of the Falcons, even aside from Lamar uh, Hopium there. I've, I've been taking London and Pitts where they're going. Um, I guess I haven't gotten quite as much Algier. I think there's a little bit more risk. There was also a quote from the Combine. It was another one that Matthew included in his piece where, you know, the coach basically said, you know, we like Tyler Algier, but he's always going to be a committee back. That was basically the gist of the comment. But that also doesn't shock me, right? I mean, Tyler Algier was a really efficient rusher. They weren't asking a ton from him in the passing game. So if he's really efficient and he has the goal line role in an improving offense, I think that's still enough to pay off his price tag, like similar to, say, A.J. Dillon at a comparable price point. So I don't know if I'm going to let that quote scare me off of Tyler Algier too much. And Algier, too, again, high missed tackle rate, as I talked about a bunch, a .31 EPA per pass target going his way. So, like, he was better in the pass game than people realize. I, like... It's obvious that they're not going to go with him and give him 25 touches a game, but I think he could still be the lead back getting 15 to 20. And, and this NFL, like 15 to 20 in an offense that you know wants to really run it, like I don't care. Give the other 10 to Caleb Huntley, and it'll suck when he vultures a little bit here. But like that's the risk you got to take with almost any running back these days. Yeah. Um, all right, Spags, let's check in on your team here. So I, I wanted to mention Willis was surprised at that last turn that you didn't take Michael Gallup, which I do think would have made sense at his price for your stack with Dak. I thought it would have been an okay move to take Gallup there. I just worry a lot about them bringing somebody in. And as I was kind of working through it, my logic is I really don't want to invest in a Schottenheimer and Mike McCarthy offense that much. Like I'm happy to take Dak, one receiver, Tony Pollard, like guys, you know, are going to be focal points for the second target, for the third target, for like Jake Ferguson, or if they bring somebody else in at tight end. I don't know that those guys are going to get there. Like, I think this team is going to try to establish it really hard. And 
Uh, it's just going to be a completely different team than Kellen Moore. And like, you can't feed that many mouths, I think, based on what these guys have done historically. Yeah. Yeah. I guess it's just like, I try, I'm trying not to get to make too many decisions based on like, specifically for wide receivers, um, where I'm trying to anticipate like what the team is going to do in the draft and stuff. Because I mean, Jalen Tolbert on the Cowboys alone is like a very good example of a guy that they, you know, drafted to theoretically take over that role or be a big part. And then the guy just completely flopped. So I don't know. I, I also have heard quotes though, too, about Jerry Jones wanting to make a splash in free agency. Like doesn't Deandre Hopkins seem like the most Jerry Jones type of ad. They couldn't afford him though. I don't think. Who knows? At this point, like you see what the Saints did to be able to give fucking Derek Carr 100 million guaranteed. I just assume these guys can Houdini their way into any contract. That is fair. So I love Terrace Marshall here. Uh, he's been getting steamed up a little bit, but uh, over a 0.4 EPA per target last year. Really good. And I think could take a leap this year, especially if DJ Moore starts to maybe regress a little. So um, new coaching staff sometimes don't have the historical biases. So I think Terrace Marshall getting a fresh start would be a good thing for him. Um, yeah, I was going to uh, – both those Carolina guys that went back-to-back are on my radar, Chuba and Terrace. Let me have Marvin Mims, Dog Pound. Let me have Marvin Ooh. Mims. Thank you. I love Mims. I Look, I, I, the one thing that made me happy about the combine, and I get why people get off on it so much, like a lot of these guys who did have outlier days, I, I was like, the, the numbers look great. Like, I think this guy should be an outlier. Mims, definitely one of them. Trey Palmer, another. Um, nice pick by you taking Mims. And McBride, I don't mind either, even though uh, he did not – I don't. did he even test the combine? I don't even, I don't remember seeing him do much. Yeah. I wonder if he was like Dalton Kincaid or whatever, where he didn't do it, but I'm just going to continue with my strategy in that the hopes and dreams of this team rest firmly on Eckler and JT shoulder. And then I'm just going to like sprinkle in only super high upside uh, bets behind them with the mystery box rookies. All right. I'm going to take a running back here. I do need a tight end at some point, but I think I'm going to Try to scoop something late there. I'm going to go Pierre mm. Strong. I passed on Ramondre earlier. I really think Pierre Strong is going to have a role in this offense coming up this year. And Pierre Strong is really good per touch last year. People, like, it's not a huge volume thing. I get that. But I feel like Belichick kind of likes the new shiny toy now in his old age where Ramondre comes in. He kind of siphons and touches from, from Harris. I feel like that could be the case for Strong where Ramondre doesn't perform in a few games. Maybe gets hurt and Strong comes in and he's like, yeah, fuck it. Give him 20 touches. I'd have to check the uh, my actual stats, but I'm guessing Pierre Strong is one of my most drafted guys. I've mm -hmm. already gone on record saying I have a feeling he's going to end up being my Eno Benjamin this year, where it gets like tantalizingly close to just being a smash late round pick, but not uh, ever fully panning out. Um, but I mean, you can't question like his talent and athleticism. I think you can question um, him as a rookie making some boneheaded mistakes, getting in Belichick's doghouse. It's still going to take. I think an injury, you know, for him to be like a fantasy star, you know, I don't think he's necessarily going to be able to earn like a big standalone role just on play alone, just because Ramondre is so good. But I think from like a contingent standpoint, I think he's an awesome bet. So I'm going to dispel a thing with Stevenson. And I say this is somebody that was really heavy on Ramondre. He carried a lot of my best ball teams last year. Ramondre, negative EPA per rush last year, negative EPA per target. I know that doesn't matter. Like the volume is what matters. But that's where this to me starts to get delicate is that if the volume isn't there, it's the exact same level as Ramondre. And he keeps being a little bit less than efficient. And the offense maybe regresses in some way without guys like Jacoby Myers out there. Obviously, it should be better offensively because it's not Matt Patricia calling the plays. But I think there's a world where Ramondre busts really really hard and I wrote it to ADP. Like I really don't like Ramondre this year. Hmm. Yeah. I guess I don't really view like I like where both Ramondre and Pollard uh, are going and I'm kind of happy to get those guys whenever they fall a few picks past ADP. Um, but yeah, that's interesting that because I do think say if Damian Harris does leave, there is room for Ramondre's role to even get slightly bigger, right? Like if he were to have all of the goal line work to himself, I mean, you are looking at a profile that could compete to be a top five back. I think it's a risk point. Like I'm certainly aware of that and might be a hot take compared to some people out there. You know, I, I get it. Like he's going high for a reason that said, like I liked him a lot last year going in the nineties, going into one twenties, going in the literal twenties this year with knowing what we know about the Patriots and have for years and knowing that they invested in Pierre strong last year and they have Kevin Harris and they love to cycle guys in. I just think you're better off taking the lower ADP guy and, Pierre Strong is basically free. I just took him in the 18th round. Yeah, I mean, playing the cheapest uh, Patriots running back has been uh, a nice strategy 
over uh, over the years for sure. So I, I certainly get that. But Short the nice thing, racking up some of my favorite players, by the way. <laughs> I mean, he is blasting off on these uh, these tight ends: Trey McBride, Kincaid, and Darnell Washington. Did you happen to watch Darnell Washington push the sled at the combine? Yeah. <laughs> he moved it and it it glided like like a dancer. It was amazing, dude. Biggest wingspan at the combine ever, and uh, second biggest tight end or hands for tight ends. Dude is just a beast. The good news is that short gamer did not take one of my other favorite tight ends, Luke Musgrave, another elite athlete at the position guy who can run. Uh, there are rumors he might run in the four four range. He's banged up and ran the four six range instead, but whatever. He still gets downfield at an elite rate as a gigantic man. Um, so I'll take him as my consolation prize with no Kincaid and no Washington. Am I, man? Hayden Hurst just falling like a rock here. Yeah, it's the uncertainty because it's like where where is he going? I'm sure he'll get a role somewhere for sure. Yeah. Um, I'm going to add, let's keep, let's keep having some fun. I'm going to take a, a flyer on Cedric Tillman as my 10th mm. wide receiver trying to, you know, I went pretty veteran heavy early with my wide receiver. So let's try to get some upside. And now I'm kind of like debating, do I want a sixth running back or do I want a third tight end with the Hayden Hurst value? I'm going to put Hurst in my queue. I'm going to look at some of these running backs here. Um, there are definitely names. There are definitely names here. Um, you know what we're going to do? Actually, we're going to get crazy. I've done this a couple times, and it's buying a mega dip on Isaiah Spiller when I am making a big bet on the Chargers. I don't love uh, handcuffing per se, but I'm kind of shoving my chips all in on the Bears and the Chargers in this build, and uh, and we will we'll take Spiller. Kyle highlighting guy that's pretty interesting as well. Jerome Ford, who uh, make the case as well, kind of a similar guy. Some trade rumors about Nick Chubb recently. And, you know, relative to where we are at running back, I feel like I could use one more dart throw guy. Definitely could use another tight end as well. But let's see. I, I, I thought about Jerome Ford. He's oh, a he's guy gone. that I've been liking. Okay. So he's gone. I need another tight end then. I guess Zach Kuntz, come on. No, Sam Laporta is better. Sam Laporta is a guy who's going to play and actually be good. No, don't don't fall in love with Kuntz. Like, take Laporta if Laporta and Kuntz are there. I, I don't know why I have takes about these guys. <laughs> I, I I agree with that take. I think Laporta feels much more like could could, could uh, contribute year one. Yeah. Spiller lucky to not get cut, says GA, who always comes with the hot take. Spiller is more likely to seize a part of Eckler's role this year than he is to get cut just because Eckler's a free agent the year after. Age is getting there. Like, they're going to give Spiller a shot, whether he sucks or not. Like, who knows? But, like, he was drafted highly enough that they'll give him a shot. No, my thesis is he gets cut and then lands somewhere and is the starting running back. It's the Ronald Jones thesis. You just keep hoping he gets cut until you find you land in a better spot. Laporta, future KC chief. I mean, I'd be feeling pretty good. If you were the new Noah Gray, I feel like that'd be a really nice pick for me here. Uh, another little report as we are sifting through the Lamar fallout, Diana Russini from ESPN says the Falcons will not be pursuing quarterback Lamar Jackson. So we'll always have those 10 minutes where we, you know, got excited imagining it. <laughs> he looked great in the Jersey. Like, I and mean, then we all grew up watching Mike Vick enjoying that. So I think it'd be nice to have that back in the world, but I guess maybe Desmond Ritter, are they going to stick with Desmond Ritter? I kind of feel like they are. Um, I kind of think so. I mean, it's kind of, it is a very like parallel situation with the Titans. Right. And they're just like, you know, we took a stab on these quarterbacks, but you know what? We don't even really want to fucking throw the ball, even if we did have a good quarterback. So let's just have these guys back here and just run the ball a hundred times a game. It does feel like that's what both those teams want to do. Yeah, I'm with you on that. So, uh, Pete, there are people demanding a second draft. I don't know. Your schedule will not allow that, right? Yeah, that's going to be tough for me. I have uh, the club at 430 and I need to squeeze yeah. in a few things before then. But the people are insatiable, man. I mean... I gave him two drafts on Mondays. I've been doing that. Um, but and normally Spags and I will have a second show on Friday, but you know, Spags is heading to wherever in Mexico. You said you're going. <laughs> but next week though, two shows. So we'll get back. I don't know if you want to do a guest show on Tuesday or we could do two. I don't know. We'll figure it out. We'll be back on Tuesday next week and then Friday back in the normal time as well. Yeah. Um, it was, it, you know, it was fun. I, I like our joint drafting, you know, talking through it, but, uh, and I also generally find that, content drafting with two people going against each other isn't quite as interesting, but I feel like we pulled it off here. All right. So let's read through the teams here. Let me pull up the full draft board so you can see Pete and my teams and please in the chat, hang on here so you can vote on which one is better. I'll read Pete's team. Actually, Pete, you read your team first. 
Okay, my team is I went with a 2-6-10-2 build. I have Justin Fields and Justin Herbert at quarterback. Uh, I'm all in on the Chargers here. I have Austin Eckler, Jonathan Taylor um, at running back, and then a basket of rookies, Devin A. Chain, Sean Tucker, Dwayne McBride, and then Isaiah Spiller. I know, handcuffing, that's a no-no. Uh, wide receiver, Mike Williams, Mike Evans, Cortland Sutton, Darnell Mooney, Joshua Palmer, Chase Claypool, Khalil Shakur, Tim Patrick, Marvin Mim, Cedric Tillman, and then just a two-tight end build. Pat Fryermuth and Michael Mayer. We'll thin it tight end, but I like your team. So again, if place your vote, hit hit one if you like Pete's teams more than mine. If you hit two, if you want to select a Spag team or I guess Peter Spag, I don't know. Pick vote in the chat somehow. My team: Dak Prescott, Tua Tagovailoa, Tony Pollard, Jamal Williams, Alex Madison, Damian Harris, Roshan Johnson, and Pierre Strong, C.D. Lamb, Jalen Waddle, Christian Watson, Keenan Allen, Kadarius. I got a lot of receivers: Kadarius Tony, Jalen Hyatt, Isaiah Hodgins, John Mechie, and Terrace Marshall youthful high upside guys and then a tight end dallas goddard luke musgrave sam laporta who won the draft guys you tell us because that's got to be the way we close this out right what yeah. number are you and what number am i i forget i think you're one i'm two yeah oh i'm crushing this one <laughs> uh i've seen the votes as being split specs i'm seeing two 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 uh they're having a mid-off nine two 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 <laughs> now pete of course pete overbet picks you you know, I, I decided to take the degree of difficulty. I was, I did the, you know, the thing that some comedians do where they insult their audience right off the top and then try to win them back the rest of the draft. You know, I ripped off two running backs and then tried to win everyone over. Yeah. I'm look, I think we did a great job here. If you want to see more of these drafts, by the way, leave a comment down below. If you're watching after the fact or tweet us, of course, at splash play pod, follow me at Chris Spags, follow Pete at Peter Overzet, And again, follow the show at splash play pod. Pete, what uh, the club's coming up here at four 30, right? Yeah, we're going to also dive into uh, Underdog Release, their NBA playoff best ball stuff. Again, I know nothing about the NBA, but uh, Clay and Andy do, so we're going to do some of those drafts. And um, and then, yeah, tomorrow, ship chasing as usual. Uh, on Thursday on Lowell's, we're having Captain Jack on, who's a, a known uh, sports better and content creator. So excited to talk sports betting with him on Thursday. And then, uh, yeah, if one you of guys good sites, yeah. 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 Um, so that'll be fun. And then, like I mentioned at the top of the show tomorrow in the newsletter, I will have a piece looking at kind of rookie movement since the combine in the big board draft uh, specifically, if you want to check that out. Of course, don't forget to subscribe here, guys. And I actually should plug the FO 100 comes out tomorrow, which is our guy, Mike Tanier, went to the combine, went to the senior bowl, did his reporting, did his due diligence. He basically breaks down profiles of every actual player. Then we also do a fantasy for you that includes the guys who are going to be the most relevant fantasy wise. It's going to be a premium FO plus product this year. So get it at footballoutsiders.com slash subscribe would really help us out right now during the lean off seasons to get some love there. So check it out if you really want to wrap your head around this off season process. And of course, again, subscribe, please. Hit us, help us hit 2K subs. It's what we're going for here. It's what we're striving for every single week. Um, anything else for you, Pete? Uh, no, man. Enjoy your vacation. I will. Uh, I will miss you on on Friday. Aww. I'm jealous of you to come back with a with a tan and all that good stuff. So enjoy it. Yeah, I'm gonna come back sunburned because I have not seen the light of day. <laughs> I've been like a vampire down here doing spreadsheets for a football. <laughs> I mean, hey, now now's your time. Now's your time to touch some grass, bags. All right, we'll be back next Tuesday, guys. Thanks for hanging out with us. See you guys again soon. Good luck.